Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for another episode on 24 as we recap season four of 24. I'd say we're at the halfway point, but we're not. We nearly are, though. In the halfway point of the next season, we're at the halfway point, believe it or not. But we're getting along seemingly a very interesting season. One of the more underrated seasons. I know we said that a lot about season three. I'm a very big staunch defender of season three. But this is a season that I feel has always been underrated, but I think more recently has gotten a lot more love than it used to back in the day. So I'm very intrigued to go over everything that we've talked about, the best bits, the worst bits, and everything else in between. My name is Ben, and hey. <laughs> Stole my line. Oh. I knew I would. Uh. I had to do it. <laughs> Uh, my name is Colin, and this is a recap of the fourth season. <laughs> yes, Colin, it is. And your name is Colin, a man's name. Um, and no disrespect to any women called Colin, I'm sure it exists. Um, season four, I, I can't believe we're here. Um, we've uh, gotten through another season, uh, exciting times. Um, I mean, I was always looking forward to getting to that. I mean, I look forward to getting to pretty much all the seasons. Even the shit mm. ones, because they're going to be fun to talk through. But four was just that season that I always got weirdly connected to early because of the Kim Raver angle. It felt new. It felt fresh. We've always talked about how this is kind of the beginning of the next chapter of 24. And it was a unique season in the fact that we didn't really just have one major threat or like four villains. We kind of had one villain and like five major threats. So they kind of reversed the formula. It's really the only time they ever do this in 24. And it brings some very unique, memorable moments, some low moments, but overall, a very good season. Yeah, um, 24 is different uh, from, I guess, a lot of shows that are recapped out there because every season is very distinct in its own way. Uh, I mean, I guess Lost, you know, you and Noah had covered that where outside of the first two seasons, every season kind of has its own identity. But uh, I'd say 24 to even a greater extent you know, you have cast change-ups every single season. You have different plots, completely different tone every single season. Even if you look at the first three, where it's primarily the same cast every time, you know, they, they all feel completely different. But, I mean, this is the season that more than any really took a different turn. It, it became something different. It was still 24, but you had a whole new cast. You had Jack in a completely different situation. I think what's most interesting coming out of it is that this is sort of the season where – they just decided rules are all set aside. We're just going to kind of have fun. <laughs> and that that does result in some stuff where it is, oh, definitely a low point like you were mentioning, but then other stuff where it's like, wow, they don't really care anymore. And I'm kind of glad in some ways that they don't care anymore because 
they're just able to do what they want to do and not worry about what makes sense and just have a bit of fun. I think they really do switch this Jack Power Jack Bauer Power Hour mode on, and I think kind of that's going to get more and more prevalent. We've talked a lot about that, but I mean. Yeah, it's just like, as we talked about a lot throughout this season, I swear they just dot point on it. Like, okay, we really want Jack Bauer to rob a gas station this season. Okay, well then, let's make it happen. All right, what else can we make Jack do this season? Stop at EMP. Yeah, I want him to try and literally stop at EMP with (laughs) his hands. Uh, I want him to have noise immunity in helicopters no matter where he is. I want him to yell at a bald man who used to be a mummy as he falls off a car park from the fifth floor. All right, writing all this down, John, this is great. Um, But yeah, like, I mean, it is sort of a real focus into newer characters because, you know, four was always that transition period. And okay, we got returning characters and you think of, you know, Michelle, Tony, Palmer, they all came back. But, you know, they were a big deal when they came back. They felt like they had been gone for a lot longer. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Chloe's really the only character that sort of moves across from that first chapter at the very beginning. And even then, everyone hated Chloe in season three. This is still that period. This is the season, I think, that people started to like Chloe. And even then, they sort of forced this relationship between her and Jack down your throat. Like, hey, they're besties. They trust each other. But then you just kind of accept it and move on, even though she kills someone. So, you know, she's definitely (laughs) getting Jack. But first season without Kim, I feel like we didn't talk about that a lot throughout this season. Things that are kind of missing. But then, like, no disrespect to Kim or Alicia Cuthbert, but you kind of don't really, you know, care after a few bits. Like, I mean, it's sort of, uh, you're going to get very excited when she returns next season for a little bit. So, yeah, it's it's a real different one. And then, obviously, we'll talk about the main cast members and that, who we liked and didn't like. But I also think that, you know, given that we have the one main villain and, uh, you know, at least according to both Wiki and 24 Wiki, and I'd agree with these points, you know, sort of have your four main storylines essentially that kind of get this because rather than as we've constantly said season one's about an assassination attempt season two is a nuclear bomb season three is a virus this is kind of a terrorist group who are doing a a series of attacks across the Mm -hmm. day that's the major subplot really of this um but i guess i'll quickly go through sort of the main ones here and we can go through some of the other like subplots and everything that are listed on both uh wiki and 24 wiki because you know we obviously can't come up with our own uh, thoughts, even though we obviously just spent the last 24 weeks covering this season. Um, so I'll go, I'll go on Wiki. 24 Wiki goes into too much detail, but uh, good good people over at 24 Wiki. So uh, the four main points. A train bombing is a diversion to kidnap the Secretary of Defense and his daughter. A device from the train is used to initiate the force meltdowns of nuclear power plants across America. Terror still a stealth fighter to shoot down Air Force One. And the terror still a nuclear football, allowing them to launch a nuclear missile towards Los Angeles that must be intercepted. Obviously, there's a whole lot of other stuff that happens in between them. They're kind of your, your main points. And I guess also some of these other like other subplots which are here. I'll try and skim through these quickly. Jack Bauer returns to field work. He clashes with other members of CTU over how operations should run. Jack's relationship with Audrey is strained because she's horrified at the pain he's willing to inflict to acquire information. Audrey's brother Richard withholds his information. That's really a major subplot. Uh, that could help CTU claiming they have no right to invade his privacy. The Aras family, I feel like that's a much bigger plot than Richard withholding information yeah. for one and a half episodes, uh, is torn apart by conflicting opinions about the morality of inciting a nuclear catastrophe. There's a morality there? Hmm, is it morally okay to destroy countries? Uh, Curtis suspects a co-worker with whom he's previously involved of being a mole. Remember that? 
The crisis prevents Erin Driscoll, the new director of CTU, from being able to look after her daughter who has schizophrenia. Tony and Michelle, although divorced, are they divorced? I thought they were just separated. Oh, they're divorced. Um, find themselves working in the same office again. Charles Logan feels overwhelmed. He's unexpectedly over the president. David Palmer begins to discover corruption within the government. Does he? Uh, no. I don't think that. You're jumping ahead of he season contrib- here. He contributes to a lot of corruption in the government, maybe. I don't know about that one, Wiki. I think you've jumped ahead there with that one, my friend. And after the Chinese consul dies of friendly fire, CTU attempts to cover up the fact that Jack Bauer invaded the Chinese consulate. Um, I guess, did you have a favorite of all these ones that I've kind of gone through? A, a, oh, a least favorite? Hands Richard. out, Richard Heller. <laughs> I love the part where David, David Palmer discovered the conspiracy <laughs> in the government. That was great. Um, that, that came right after he personally stopped an EMP from going off. Indeed, with his neck. He just was like, yeah. I'm David Palmer, my neck's like leather. He's, the, the real problem is Jack was trying to stop with his hands, but Palmer's the one who has the magic hands right now because of Mandy. He's huggy so bear. if you'd gotten Palmer's magic huggy bear hands, that would have yeah. stopped an EMP. It's all that watching the tube with Keith. That, uh, <laughs> he gets those hands strong like a man. Um, yeah, favorite, least favorite. Uh, I, I mean, of the main plots, you know, you, you breaking this up, uh, I, I would say is, as much as I love everything that happens later on, uh, and I think that the the action, the excitement picks up throughout the season, like with Air Force One and the football and all that. Uh, this, the kidnapping of Heller is such a great plot because it, it's almost taking a step back from like the sensationalism of 24. We're going to assassinate a presidential candidate. We're going to set off a nuclear bomb. We're going to have a virus outbreak uh, across all of Los Angeles. It's something so much simpler, but yet I think especially during the time period this came out in, we talked about like th- those images of Heller, you know, a- on the video and, and his assassination or, or not assassination, his trial and execution being broadcast live. It just felt so different. Uh, and I really don't think you could have made that an entire season. I mean, it, you were limited with what the five, six episodes they gave that, but it was such a strong plot and something that, uh, was a little bit more in line with like what season one of 24 was before the stakes got to be so high that like, there's nowhere to go from there. Uh, but then you add the personal connection there. It works so well. Uh, I mean, for the subplots, I mean, you mentioned like the Aras family and that I would argue that is a bigger overall plot than even most of the major sub, the major subplots we got are the major subplots because that's what Jack is on the case of, you know, at that moment, this is this is our only lead to this. Yeah. And that's where the biggest threat is. But I mean, the Eras family is probably the longest running plot of the season because it starts in episode one and it runs through what, 13, 14 Baruza's episodes? is in 12 episodes. Navi's in 10, um, amazingly enough. Um, and what about Dina? She's got to be in at least that many as well. But um, apparently she's just Dina. Not- She's just not listed on this. Yeah, <laughs> this that's bizarre. <laughs> cut racist 24 wiki. Um, we love our friends at 24 wiki. Just you forgot Dina somehow. Yeah. Um, I'll have to source that on uh, uh, IMDb maybe. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Aras family, The I think the, the appeal of it is that like Secretary Heller's kidnapping, I mean, it's something that you've done before on 24 and you've done really every single season. But they they perfected it with the, this season, and you threw in a bunch of things that uh, twelve episodes. So, okay, so yeah, we're really looking at half of the season with the Aras family. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, you threw in some things that uh, you wouldn't necessarily expect. I mean, you're, you're looking at for the first time 
a family that is not in this against their will. They're very much going with their will here. And uh, when you <laughs> that part about the, the moral uh, implications and everything, none of them really care about them. I mean, even Beirut is probably the closest, but I mean, that's just him being a kid. You know, Dina all the way to the end, she's like, I'll die for my cause. I'm just doing this to save my son. Like I could, I could care less if the rest of the country is destroyed. Uh, There's such interesting characters too. And all three of the actors, I mean, we, we kind of gave some critiquing of Jonathan and Duke throughout, but again, like this was a what 16 year old actor when he was doing this. So for everything he did, he is probably at this point, the best young actor they'd had on 24, even over. If you look at the early seasons with a uh, season one and season two to Kim, I would argue Janet? Jonathan and Duke. Well, Janet's above and beyond anybody on the she's she's at Kiefer levels of awesome, right? Come on. <laughs> but like Sheree Agadashlu and um uh Navi um what's Nesta, his name? Uh Nesta, Nesta Serrano, yeah. yeah. Like they are giving Emmy worthy performances in this storyline. And even above all the other family plots that we got in 24, I mean, nothing else comes close to touching them. I uh, just got a bit of excitement and a shudder at the same time here looking at the actors who have been in the same amount of episodes as Dina and Beirut. Uh, Colm Farrar is in 12 episodes of 24. But then I absolutely got a cold chill, probably the worst character in all of 24 history, Ricky Schroeder. It's Mike Doyle. Worst Ooh. ever, really? Him and frickin' Jack's nephew. <laughs> Rather eat a pickle. Um, <laughs> but, like, you went over, like, the main... We'll talk about the cast in a second. I mean, there are, uh, I guess, starring roles on this show uh, that have the same amount or less episodes than the Araz family has, which is why I really feel like that is a major subplot of the season. Just did, before I get to the cast, and I'll, I'll mention a few of mine, but did you have a least favorite? Um, I mean, the, the EMP stuff, <laughs> I don't want to say it's my least favorite because the, the introduction to it is bad. Uh, just bad in that it wasn't exciting to watch Jack going and like, hello, we're here to investigate, you know, whatever. <laughs> pornography. McClendon, You've got <laughs> pornography. <some laughs> we have, we've heard that McClendon Forrester is pirating pornography. Uh, <laughs> but like that stuff was some of the, the most boring of the show. And then when the EMP is introduced, it's just so over the top. But the aftermath of that really is fantastic. I mean, you, you can't knock, you know, Jack running around Los Angeles with the dark streets and, uh, the soldier is everywhere. Um, I, I, I don't want to uh, agree with Ben too much, but Marianne's subplot, um, <laughs> it's definitely the weakest, I think, of the overall plots because we have seen it before. Does it really go anywhere? I think I'm just a bigger defender of Marianne's character than you are, but I will agree the plot is one of the weaker ones we got throughout the season. Uh, I probably agree with mostly era. I mean, I just did not like the EMP, did not like Marianne. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Mandy coming back was fantastic. Got very excited over that. The Eras stuff was great. I love the kidnapping at the beginning. Anything Audrey. Uh, I know, but I like, I also really, and we talked a lot about it, defend this soap opera triangle between Paul, Audrey, yeah. and Jack, which on paper should be stupid. Um, but you know, James Frain, see you soon. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, you can't defend that crap, but like at the same time, like it's still just so warranted. And I think we didn't really talk about that much last week about the payoff with that love storyline about how sort of Audrey obviously left Jack 
but it's sort of, you know, that build that we kind of have, it's, it was really well bookended with that. And yeah. just, I want to add just two, because we're going to be talking obviously a lot about him next season, Logan. And we've talked about how mm. this is the best version of Logan. And he's only in what, like eight episodes, seven episodes. Um, so uh, nine episodes actually. Uh, so yeah, it's, I mean, great sort of start and kind of connecting that. I mean, I feel Tony gets, this isn't the last time we're ever going to say this. Tony got a bit of a raw deal this season. I think it was great to have him back, but what was he doing? Sit around watching soccer and hanging with Jen what? and an agent and then hooking up with him. It's like pretty decent day for Tony, but he also got kidnapped <laughs> and shirtless. And I, I don't know, like Tony's had an interesting day. Yeah. Like, like Tony's an interesting one because uh, I, I went through all the way back in season one, my love hate relationship with Tony, like in season one, he definitely has a big character the character is there to basically fool the audience and they do a good job with it, but it's not like you're walking out of season being like, Oh, I love this guy, Tony. Yeah. What a man. You know, season two, he, you know, has the relationship with Michelle, but what else is there other than getting shot in the neck? <laughs> he got shot <laughs> in the neck <laughs> and put a band aid on it. Basically. Nick, remember uh, that season- next episode. I'm telling you now, if somebody else, you just put a band aid on their neck. That'd be still with us today. <laughs> Come on, Wayne. <laughs> Useless. But then, but then like season three, it really wasn't until the end of the season where Tony's character had started to have those, those um, questionable decisions that he became interesting as a character. So, yeah, I mean, Tony's character is not exactly having his finest hour here, smacking around Jen and stuff like that and sitting around on unemployment. But <laughs> I, I, I loved, <laughs> but I loved from like the moment he was introduced, just, how much more personality they gave Tony, even if it was in a negative way, it, it was more than just Carlos Bernard being Carlos Bernard with Cubby and everything that, and his soft spoken voice. I, I think I always will look back on season four. Tony as maybe being like we said, Logan kind of Tony in his prime because it gave him the most to do as an actor, the most range. Well, I mean, we didn't really touch on it last week and I guess we'll move on to the, the characters now, but like, yeah, we kind of said last week, we sort of, the last we'll see of sort of Tony and Jack, but it's really the last episode we ever see of normal Tony. Like, I guess you could argue you get yeah. a bit of normal Tony in the next episode, but from the moment you see him to what happens from that point on, not normal Tony anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, this is where, where he really starts to cop a raw end of the stick, the character of Tony, which I, I always get mad about. Um, but the main cast, this, this is a very interesting season when it comes to the main cast, yeah. because there are only two people in this season who are main cast members for 24 episodes. And that's Keith Sutherland and Kim Raver. Even Paul Lewis Lombardi is guest starred in 24 episodes and he's never credited as a starring role in this season as Edgar. So, and yet Sarah is. Yeah. And like she was added. Like it wasn't like she was from the beginning. So, of course, we had this weird aspect that a few of these people were added essentially a couple episodes in. So this is a season where you've technically got six main cast members, even though only two of them are actually in every single episode. So Kiefer and Kim are in every episode. Alberta Watson, uh, God rest her soul. Uh, why do I say God? Just rest her soul. <laughs> believe in fictional characters, Ben. Um, uh, she, she was in. She's dead. It's sad. 12 episodes uh, as Aaron Driscoll. Uh, Lana Parley as Sarah Gavin. That, that's got to be the rant, most randomest main star in all of 24. Yeah. Remember her. And I liked her. I was much more of a fan of her character than you were. Uh, she was in half the season, 12 episodes. Curtis is an actor, a character in 24. And Roger Cross played him uh, 22 episodes. Although I don't think he was a star in 22. I think he was only added halfway through. So Yeah, it was about halfway point. And then William... Was, D- I think it was around the same time as, as Sarah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. 
Uh, William Devane uh, as James Heller uh, was in 15. So I don't know, was he credited in all 24 episodes? I don't think he was. But no. when he does, he appears there. Um, so, and actually what I'm just going to do is I'm going to lump in the special guest stars and special guest appearances because they're big names, even though they're not, actually, no, I'm not. Cause we always keep the starring separate. So I shouldn't No, Let's not break formula. The one that actually surprised me. And I always forget that Marilyn Rajkup is not credited as a main cast member, even in season yeah. four. So she doesn't become a main cast member till next season, which is fascinating to me because this is kind of the season that, you know, she kind of shines. So usual question. I mean, obviously we know Jack's a star. But, I mean, standouts for you. And it, I can't really ask the usual question of, like, did anybody improve? Did anybody go down? Because it's only They're Keeper. All They're all new. So, I mean, who are your favourites of the news and your, your least favourites of our stars? Uh, well, I mean, really what I'll do is I'll talk about Kiefer and then talk about some of the others. Uh, Kiefer, uh, season three is something that you'll never be able to top. Like, what an actor looks for. I really want something something good to chew on, you know? I, I want... Oh, chewing uh, Kiefer. Uh, <laughs> uh, chewing on heroin last season, you know, to this, uh, you know, I would imagine Kiefer, I don't think he would have looked at it this way, but a, a lot of actors would have looked at it as like, this is a step down. You know, I went from season one where I'm trying to hold my family together and season two where I'm mourning my wife's death and on the verge of suicide and season three, I'm, you know, hooked on smack and then season four, I've got relationship troubles, but that's something we've never seen Jack do before. And I, I would go as far as say it's something we've never seen Keeper Sutherland do before, because if you look at his filmography throughout his entire career and again, keeping in mind when this show started, we talked about this during season one, that was the first time you ever really had a name actor who had been in movies, who had been a star in film move to television. He sort of started this trend of actors. And nowadays, you know, the biggest movie set, The Rock will say, oh yeah, I kind of want to do the show Ballers. So I'll just do a TV show on the side. Kiefer was the first to do that. Um, but I don't think even in his movies prior to 24, he had ever really had a real love story to do. You know, he'd had maybe relationships in movies. I think like that Christmas tree that he was drunk. <laughs> yeah, he had a big relationship with the Christmas tree. Uh, but uh, uh, it's funny, you know, sometimes you hear these actors where it's like they've been around forever and they've never done like a love story. And it's not an easy thing to do because it is the most overdone thing in Hollywood. And he really pulled it off. Like he made you feel for Jack in, in a way that I don't think you expect. It's not like Jack is that conflicted in this season. Like Jack is basically desperately trying to hold on to this normal life, even though you could tell he doesn't really want it. And all the sadness you got out of Kiefer throughout this season was totally different from the sadness you got of mourning Kiefer in the first three seasons. Here, it's like happy Kiefer, and <laughs> it's stuff that should be really cheesy. It's the soap opera stuff like we're, we're praising yeah. that really works. Uh, I mean, for the others, uh, I, I'm not going to say that I you know, was never won over by Kim Raver before. I always thought Audrey was one of the best characters they had on the show, but I mean, her performance is just so good. And again, it's those little things like what Kiefer does, the the cheesy relationship stuff that she makes work where she probably shouldn't. Uh, and then William Devane, obviously, we mentioned uh, you know earlier on that uh, in the season that he just brings a, a next level presence in every scene he's in. It, it's it's unbelievable to watch how much he can do with so little because 15 episodes in this season, I think, is what you said. Um what are we going to say? Eight of those, he actually has a prominent role. Most of them, he's got one scene where he's sort of in the background. And in those one scenes in the background, like he really <laughs> draws your attention in more than anybody else. Uh, 
some of the uh, so you say want to cover like the the questionable ones like Sarah and yeah well I mean they're officially main star they're like if you look at the the overall main stars of every season they're in the main star category so yeah and we are we looping in uh Edgar and Chloe too no no because they're they're on the guest starring one we'll we'll keep it we'll keep it on the usual we'll keep it uh coherent we're following wiki here because they know best um yeah I mean Curtis he is the closest thing to a series regular out of these questionable series regulars. Cause I think he had what the, the fourth highest episode count of the season of anybody on the show. But again, it's, they didn't discover his character. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier on the season, like season five, Curtis is the Curtis you remember. And it's only about halfway through this. It's, it's the, the plot that I think we were divided on uh, where Curtis was kidnapped, the diehard episode uh, where I feel like they finally discovered Curtis's character and <laughs> that's not just discovered what his role was in CTU, but I think the best stuff of Curtis is still to come. Um, Sarah, we are definitely divided on. And again, I don't think that Lana Perilla did anything wrong. It's just her character, like Curtis's, they were discovering it throughout the season. It's just they had such a short period of time. So she had four different characters throughout the season. Mm. And each time she did it well for an episode or two, but then they, it's, it's the writers that kind of ruin Sarah's character. Um, I'm, I'm going to give the biggest props here to the, I think the underrated one, which is Alberta Watson. And she is the one where I think I came of the season being like, ah, who really cares about Driscoll? But she gives it her all and does something completely different. And I, I know I mentioned early in the season, like she plays this like a man, which is the way a woman should do things. <laughs> Joking. But uh, it's a different way of approaching the character where she's cold. She's kind of heartless. Uh, you're, you're always sort of questioning what she's doing. Like what are her motives? And you're almost set up to think like, oh, is she going to be like a, a bad guy? And is she going to be a mole? But uh, she really delivers a fantastic performance doing something different. And I think I come out of this. I, I still hate Maya, <laughs> but I feel like the Maya storyline gave her an ending that was appropriate for this character. You know, even though I think you probably could have just ended it with Maya's death and not bothered to stretch her out for another week or two. Um, and, and we're going to be soon talking about uh, Alberta Watson in, um, or are we going to be, is it this week? I don't know. We cover the suite hereafter. She's in the suite oh, hereafter. Okay. So, uh, cool. Canada, Australia month. Does Alberta Watson and Brendan Fraser tip the, the, the scales for Canada's favor this month? I don't know. Maybe, but then we've got Hugh Jackman and that man is a beast. Um, 12th most episode, Roger Crossing, apparently. Uh, so of the season of the entire, well, the entire, uh, series i should say oh okay yeah uh, so he's apparently in as many episodes as penny johnson gerald although i'm questioning this list on imdb because they say keith sutherland's in 195 episodes of 24 now even if you obviously legacy so take away legacy so that gives you 204 episodes of 24 even if you count live another day as a side one so you take 204 minus 12 that's then what 192 so what are the extra three episodes they've added keeper in of 24 is it well, d- I, here's something I wonder. Redemption. That's a is se- that technically some- it's a TV movie. So well, no, I know, but but a, a lot of times TV shows will break up. Like if they have an extended episode, they'll break it mm-hmm. up and count it as two for syndication purposes. Don't so think they in ever syndication. Did that. Don't think they. Yeah, ever I wondered did that. if. I wonder if it ever aired in syndication. Because he, because even if oh okay, so I see what they've done here. So they haven't counted. Uh, live another day so okay season nine they haven't counted redemption but what they've done is they've included the prequels so there should be 192 
and they've added three prequels to it. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I guess technically they're canon and they were released. So, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that with Kiefer and, it's it, yeah, it's interesting to kind of look at his performance each season. I mean, you said it sort of at the top about how they kind of went a bit more balls to the wall. Let's try some crazy stuff. And I think... I don't know if there's a consistency to keep for this season, which isn't a bad thing. Like, I mean, season three, there was consistency, but then there also wasn't because, hey, remember he was on heroin and they just forgot about that because he took some <laughs> magic medicine and he was fine. Um, but, like, I think, you know, some of the stuff that he does, like, yeah, the relationship issues, I liked that. I, I kind of liked seeing him have to deal with a third party. Like, I mean, you know, we never saw him meet that weird doctor guy in season one that Terry didn't hook up with, but you know, like, mm. whereas we saw Terry have to deal with Nina. So we've never really seen Jack have to be the, Oh, this is awkward. I've got to deal with the ex here. Um, you know, let's whip him out and show how much bigger I am than you Paul. Um, but like, that was kind of interesting. And then like, he had just little moments of just that he pulled off so well. Like I think back was at the very first episode when he's there and he's kind of, helping Alberta out and basically, you, you know, he's got that like rush. You see that kind of little smirk on his face. Like, Oh, I've missed the rush of it. And then basically in the second last episode, when he realizes that Mandy's pulled the wool over their eyes and he's realized Tony's alive, like just little bits like that. But having said that there was also, uh, was it episode 17, 18, whatever it was, the bad one where everyone phoned it in, even Kiva phoned it in, in that episode. Mm. Um, it's the first time I've seen him phone it in, in an episode of 24. So uh, Christmas tree mustn't have put out the night before for, for <laughs> Kiefer. But still, like a, a solid performance from him this season. Obviously, we know next season's the season he's going to win an Emmy for. Uh, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, I mean, look, do I need to say who my favorite is outside of Kim Raver? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, as I've constantly said, she went from my favorite TV show to my second favorite TV show. I mean, what more is there to not love about this woman? She's been on this show, which I still honestly like. I don't, when I say I forget she's been on the show, it's not that it was a forgetful interview. It was a great interview, but I think it was just one of those sort of random ones where you shoot for the stars and you get lucky. And they said yeah. yes at the time. And uh, you know, obviously, I think that what landed the role of her on this show, the role of her on this show will be played by <laughs> Kim Raver. She plays Rocky, funnily enough, um, <laughs> was talking about Third Watch because I think that's, something that no one in her fandom and people who talk about it, really no one give a shit about. And yet she obviously still holds that dear to her heart because she will still post about it on Instagram every now and then. So we didn't get her on to talk it about just, 24. Does she have more episodes overall in Third Watch than 24? That is a great question, Colin Hilding. Or Grey's Anatomy even? Uh, so like, Grey's, what, Anatomy, what is, Grey's Anatomy she would now, I, I don't doubt, because I think she left Grey's Anatomy, but she's, I, I don't know if she's still in it. She was in 52 episodes of 24. I'm pretty sure I looked this up. I'm going to, get to say that she was actually in about 64 because I count season nine as part of it. Um, so in Grey's Anatomy, she's been in 159. I mean, there weren't, weren't 159 episodes of Third Watch. I think she was credited in maybe about like 100 of Third Watch. If I scroll through here, um, she was in The Practice. There you go. 111. Oh, yeah. I think I talked about yeah, the episode of The Practice because um, when they added that to Disney Plus last year, I watched it. I told you about the episode, like, you got to see this. She's basically playing a woman who is so seductive that she could convince even her lawyer she's innocent when she clearly killed a guy. Actually, no, I do remember you talking about that. Uh, the one I would love to watch is this show, Trinity, because Trinity, help, because I think Bobby Cannavale is in that, and I think somebody else from Third is Watch she... is in that too. Like, I think that, that was, was um, where they, they cast was... them from for Third Watch because they saw them in Trinity. No, I, you see, I, I remember that that show, there was a 
big deal about that when it came out because that was like John Wells' first mm. project post ER. That was like pre West Wing, even. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a, a big show that only lasted like a season or something. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so Tate Donovan was in that, uh, which, because why when, yeah, Bobby Cannavale was in it. Um, yeah. Few, lots of other people. Yeah. We tracked that down. Let's cover it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, I. St- I still remember, like, I mean, I don't even know how long you were trying for the Kim Raver interview. And this is years before we even covered it on the Oz Network. When you got the interview, you know, it'd just be like, wow, like, how did this happen? And, and there's there's lots of interviews where we'll do where it's like, wow, how did we actually get this interview? But that seemed like the first one that was like the impossible interview. We had only just, uh, we'd been on air for about a year as the Oz Network. We had started Third Watch at that time. Um, but that was around about the time that she had just been announced as being on Designated Survivor because I, mm-hmm. I closed out the interview, I remember, like, you know, oh, hey, just really quickly, big 24 fan, would love to get you back on to talk about 24. You know, you've just been cast and was, was it like returning with Kiefer and she was glowing. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, my God, I love Kiefer. Like, it was so good to, like, see him and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, this is the thing, like, I think we just, we, we got her at the right time. This is like where we sadly missed, we just missed Brendan Fraser and we yeah. nearly got him. Um, I think we were very lucky with Kim Raver that we got her at the right time because she did Designated Survivor. That obviously didn't last too long. And, like, I don't know if you ever watched Designated Survivor. She was in, like, two episodes and it wasn't really that significant. I never saw the, the – I only saw the first two seasons. I saw some of the third It season. was basically, spoiler alert, if you've seen Designated Survivor, uh, his wife dies in the show. Kim's wife's always just dying shows, <laughs> apparently. Um, and then they sort he of – married in real life. Should she look out? Um, and they bring in, like, Kim Raver for, like, two episodes of some – presidential assistant thing and there's a bit of flirtation there but nothing ever happens but um no we lucked out and uh very very i remember remember i was like linda she was all like oh my god Kim, yeah. i love her because yeah from that point on she got recast on grays and then grays all of a sudden turned into this cult weird bullshit and just renewed for 20th season fuck off there you know uh that's like the american record for longest running tv like live action tv show I think it's still currently held by like Gunsmoke or something like that. And I remember Law and Order, the biggest blunder in network television history was NBC had canceled Law and Order when they had one season left to go to break that record. Mm. You know, Grey's Anatomy is basically saying we're sticking it out until we break the record and then we'll end it. They brought Law and Order back though, didn't they? So that doesn't count. Yeah. As yeah, it and that's what I, I think when it's when it's a reboot. Yeah, I don't think it counts. Well, that the thing that pissed me off is when they broke fifteen seasons and broke ER's record as a longest-standing medical drama. Um, and I still just get so pissed off to this day where people automatically talk about medical dramas. The first thing they say is Grey's Anatomy. Like, fuck off. Even at Grey's Anatomy's peak, <laughs> it was not ER. Like, come I, on. Like, I, I I watched the first, I'd say, two seasons of Grey's Anatomy. You know, and. and I mean, I'll watch any type of medical show, but I mean, even in those first two seasons, it was a soap opera with medical as the it background. Was, but the reason I like it, like I have nothing against Patrick Dempsey. I actually don't mind Patrick Dempsey, but it was a show built around the looks of one man and then Snow Patrol did a song and then it got so hugely famous. <laughs> like, again, this is just one of the most baffling. We, we sit here and talk about shows like Nip Tuck, 24 shows that were huge and then sort of, have, you know, been lost in the wayside. The one that always baffles me that gets forgotten about is ER. Like, I mean... It's a Breaking Bad of the early to mid nineties. This was the biggest thing on TV. Like it just it baffles me that people forget how big ER was. Anyway, Ben's rant. Um, outside of Kim Raver, um, yeah, obviously, I mean Curtis. I agree for the most part. I think Curtis is a is a one that I think when you watch it, you think he's a bigger deal than he is, and he's kind of yeah. always a bit of a background guy, and mm-hmm. which is sad. And then. Don't get me started on how they get rid of Curtis. That um, it's just 
Ugh, it's one of the most frustrating character exits on this Amnesia. show. Amnesia. I wish it was. <laughs> um, because it's I so, forget who I am. It's ambiguous. I have no purpose anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's ambiguous how they get rid of him. Anyway, the whole thing. But I mean, he's great. And Roger Cross and like, you know, yeah, they sort of are a bit confused what to do with his character. But he finds his feet a lot more in season five, even though he's still, I would argue, a bit of a background guy. Obviously, as I've said, Sarah, I'm a bit more of a defender of her. But yeah, they didn't really know what she's doing a lot of the time. But I still think she was interesting. Willem Devane, what a man. Want to give him a lick, get him up here. And yeah, I mean, Aaron Driscoll, terrible boss. Still stand by that. Maybe the worst director of CTU in the entire show. Actually, no, I'll take that back. Wait till who gets appointed yeah. in season eight. Um, but yeah, other than that, like, yeah, maybe I a character a bit more in this rewatch. But I don't know. She's just, I definitely agree with what you say. But I also think she's also incredibly forgettable. And that's no disrespect to the late, great Alberta Watson. It's just... Again, you just kind of forget she was ever a character, you know. Um, there's going to be some in season six that you forget. Hello, Milo coming back. Um, but anyway, we get Kate Mara next season. Can we just get excited for that for a little bit? Even though her character is a little bit annoying, but like still, Kate Mara. You know, mm. Jamie and I uh, did the review of John Wick Chapter 4 and I, I, she basically would have held me at gunpoint to not talk about the, the um, I want to call them Sarsgaard, not Sarsgaard, Skarsgård brothers, you know. Mm. Uh, Selen Scarzar's sons. Um, there's the guy from Tarzan and Little Kong, Doodle. and then there's yeah, and then there's the guy from It, and now John Wick. Jamie loves those guys, but I was basically saying like how unheard of it is. Not that you have like two siblings that are equally successful, but like their father was successful too. And I brought up the Mara sisters as the only other ones who were like they both have an equal level of success. And Jamie's like, who are they? And I pulled them up. I'm like, oh yeah, this is Kate. She was in like Fantastic Four and House of Cards. This is Rooney. She's been nominated for an Oscar. And Jamie's like. Why has the ugly one been nominated for an Oscar? I'm like, well, that's a little bit harsh. But yes, I'm Kate is definitely the better looking of the two. It was the best one when we had um, John Hensley on, uh, one of the main guys off Nip Tuck. Um, and because in that early seasons, Kate Mara was in it and John Hensley's character sort of dates the Kate Mara character. And then he sort of revealed in our interviews and it's like, yeah, we kind of dated in real life as well. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> tell us more. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a whole other story. Uh, so if we end up doing this Nip Tuck 20 year reunion this year and we're getting back on the show, I'm like, John, you and Kate Mara right now, <laughs> dish the dirt. Come on. I want to learn more. Tell me Ben's more. had dreams about this. I have had dreams about Kate Mara. I love Kate Mara. Um, Is she doing anything anymore? I hate to hijack this. We keep talking about Grey's Anatomy and Kate Mara, but like, I feel like she hasn't really done anything. I thought in she was in something recently, like something quite prominent. Um, she's with Jamie Bell. Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, yeah, Fantastic chance. Four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was almost James Bond. <laughs> oh, she was in Chappaquiddick. Uh, maybe that's what I was thinking she was in. No, I thought she was in something else. She was in Pose. I watched that. Maybe that's what I think. She she works with Brian oh, Murphy a bit. So. A teacher. I, I think I told you about this. Um, it's a TV series called The Teacher. I haven't watched it. It looks stupid, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I sent you the trailer. I'm like... Kate Mara basically has an affair with the kid from Jurassic World, like the older kid from Jurassic World. <laughs> the little girl? <laughs> <laughs> First Jurassic World. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that picture of Lex and Tim, Ariana Richards and Joseph Mazzella? Yeah. I think I shared it with you. Oh, didn't that make you happy? Seeing it was the yeah. first time they said they've been together in like 20 years or so. Um, so I guess uh, I'll, I'll lump the special guest stars and guest stars. We went a bit long on that one. So obviously the special guest stars, Carlos Bernard, Tony Almeida, Rachel Ellsworth, you know, Desla, Dennis Haysbert as David Palmer. Then I guess the main ones, obviously we're not going to go through every single one. Uh, Louis Lombardi, as we said, 24 episodes as Edgar. 
Uh, Arnold Vosloo's Habib Marwan, 17 episodes. Chloe O'Brien, a.k.a. Marilyn Rajkub, 16 episodes. Just pointing this out, tickets to see Marilyn Rajkub were almost as expensive as going to see Barack Obama. Actually, they were the same <laughs> price for the cheapest tickets. Now, I love you, Marilyn Rajkub. I really do, but I'm sorry. I'm paying $200 to see Barack Obama over you. And right now when we're recording this, I'm missing out on Barack Obama because the most cheap, all the cheap ones sold out. There's like $500 for a next ticket. So, sorry, Barack. You're skipping seeing Barack Obama to talk to me. About Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> hey, you know, you don't diss my dreams. Um, John Keeler, remember him? Jeff Pearson, President John Keeler, 13 episodes. Uh, Jonathan, a dude, you got Beirut, 12 episodes. <laughs> and then maybe we'll just go for the ones in the double digits. So James Frain is Paul Reigns. Oh, James Morrison, the Oz Network's James Morrison, Bill Buchanan, 10 episodes. Nesta Serrano is Navi Araz, 10 episodes. Uh, I mean, your favorite, Cameron Bancroft, was in nine episodes. And I guess Logan, nine episodes. And Mike Novick, put him there. Eight episodes. Uh, and then, yeah, and let's not forget Leeton Meester. Oh, I'm sure you're going to mention her. Oh, yes. Mrs. Adam Brody. What a couple. <laughs> Talk about them more. What a hot couple. Um, I'll just jump here quickly. I mean, Logan, as I said, best Logan I think we get. And it's yeah. a controversial call, but I stand by that fact. I think kind of just that conflict that we have of him having to to deal with what the, the sudden, hey, you're president, do that. The Araz family, I think we touched on them before. I think, you know, very soap opera, great. Um, Paul, yeah, he grows on you, even though he's a bit of CU soon. Uh, great to have Bill, although it's weird Bill having a bit of colour in his hair. It's not all grey. Um, <laughs> For two episodes. <laughs> Edgar, we should talk about Edgar. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, up and down in terms of the mum storyline, and I like <laughs> to get him alone and back and forth, but... I mean, Edgar's similar to Curtis. He's kind of like a bit of a background guy who's there. And I don't think you realize how much you care about Edgar until he goes. And But the difference between Edgar and Curtis is Edgar's final scene is very fucking powerful. Whereas oh, Curtis's yeah. is like, what just happened? And then you realize, oh, did they just do? Oh, okay. You got Beirut. Bye, Curtis, I guess. All right. Um, you know, great to have Palmer back. Obviously, Tony and, and Michelle, you know, we obviously talked a lot in the last couple of episodes. Rako had some great... Seems well, and I mean, Arnold Vosloo at the time a big coup to get someone like mm-hmm. him in the show, and obviously he really did die when he fell off that building. So uh, yeah, and just a slight little props to John Keeler to to Jeff Pearson because the most forgettable president in all of twenty four, mm-hmm. but arguably the most presidential president in all of twenty four, the one who's the best at his job, arguably. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, he he leaves a mark. His son was the shittest thing this season, probably, except for the EMP. But just a special note, Tim, because when else are we going to talk about him? Never. Just before I get to the guest stars, one of the things that is odd about this season is the billing, like we said, of like the series regulars. Because I think with Sarah, we even talked about the theory of like, did they do this just to kind of trick the audience? But that's actually not possible because becoming a series regular essentially means you get all these extra perks you're going to get paid whether you're in the show dental. or not. Dental. Yeah, you get dental. Um, but uh, they're not going to make anybody a series regular. I mean, there are there are like union rules and stuff like that just to fool the audience, especially when you've got all these other actors like Louis Lombardi who are like, hey, what about me, guys? Uh, I want to be a series <laughs> regular. Uh, let, me get, uh, let me get Howard Gordon in a room. We'll <laughs> see what happens. Spider-Man's <laughs> but- Louis Lombardi. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it's just, I think that this might be the season where they hit on something where you don't have to have series regulars because that was the problem mm. with season one, two, and three is that they did a lot better in season three because they felt like they didn't need to create major subplot. We could just have somebody there 
to appear for an or just don't even bother showing them. If you're not going to do anything with a character, you're paying this person regardless, you know? But having the very small regular cast allowed them to develop these side characters, the uh, supporting ones so much more because going through these supporting characters, like, wow, this, this is probably the, arguably the best cast as far as like the performances go and the characters we get through any a season of 24. Um, but I mean, some of the main ones, obviously the, the, the guest stars, the returning ones, uh, I already said, Tony, I, I think that this is the most interesting Tony we've ever gotten. Dennis Haysbert. I mean, he's Dennis Haysbert. He's not having to do anything different here, but having his presence is very important, especially because of the Keeler thing where Keeler is kind of a forgotten president, but yet still presidential, like we said, but I can't imagine Dennis Haysbert's return working if we hadn't really had, uh, I don't want to say lackluster as far as the character goes, but lackluster screen presence for the president throughout half of this season. And then having Logan, the inept president, um, Rika Ellsworth to me is up there as one of the best performances in the history of 24 in the season. And I never would have thought that coming to the season. She was the big surprise about uh, um, the, the quality of acting we got. Uh, but I mean, Edgar kind of like Curtis, I feel like they discovered his character throughout the course of the season He's going to get way better in the next season. And it's hitting on that Chloe and Edgar dynamic, which is bizarre to watch how many Chloe and Edgar deleted scenes there were once I actually got access to the DVDs throughout the season. Because I I, I think that they discovered this chemistry between two actors and then said, let's start writing this in, but maybe for the right reason, oh, these scenes don't work. And then for the next season, like, okay, let's make a plan to use these characters together more. Uh, Arnold Vosloo is Arnold Vosloo. I mean, he's great no matter what, uh, but uh, he doesn't necessarily hold up to like the power we get from the villains. But I'll, I'll still always think about the, the 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 Jack moments. I think that the scenes that Jack has with Habib are probably some of the most intense scenes with any villain. And I, that's probably because we get more time to build the mystique of this character. Um the Araz family are the stars here, along with Logan, I, uh, particularly Nestor Serrano and Gregory Itzen. Like what other characters like Curtis and Edgar, you weren't necessarily able to fully accomplish. You got part of the way there in this season and then they go bigger next season. These are two characters that come in there and like, the, the, let's say the actors more than the characters just completely blow the roof off <laughs> for the, everything they're doing. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, I came out of season four watching it the first time, just thinking like Nestor Serrano and Gregory Itzern just stole the entire series. But on a rewatch, it just gets better watching everything they do uh, and doing two completely different things. I mean, Nestor Serrano gets to essentially be as over the top as a Bond villain at times and as sinister as a Bond villain. And Logan gets to do the exact opposite. I mean, it's very, I, I would say the hardest thing to do, people talk about what's hard to do. Comedy is harder to do than drama as an actor. I would say playing, playing weak and pathetic is probably way harder than playing I'm strong and powerful. Ben was born for it. <laughs> but but that, that's, that's a challenging thing. And there's a lot of actors who can't necessarily pull that off. Uh, you know, experienced actors just because you have this presence. Maybe it is because he's one of these guys that, Nobody necessarily would have recognized him. He sort of became literally the star of that documentary franchise. He's the guy in that thing. But at this point, nobody knew who he was. 
And I remember the first episode being like, oh, this guy, they'll write him out in two episodes. And then you're desperately wanting to keep him around. I'm like, I'm loving this guy. Like, please don't get rid of him. And even at the end of the season, which now on a rewatch, we're like, oh, they clearly had plans for him. But yet I mentioned last week, I was still doubting. I don't know if they're going to bring them back, but I want him back so bad. Just one thing before I, a couple of things on a tangent, but circling back. Um, I agree with the Marwan Jack stuff, but I don't think I really touched on it last week. It do, it does feel a little bit cheap how quickly this dynamic between those two just gets written off. It's just Jack shoots him in the ankle. Yeah. He dangles over. Yeah, the ending's off. not good. Like, and, and especially if you, yeah, because if you look back over the previous scenes, we had that really incredible showdown where they had the stare down and I've then been we waiting had all day for this or whatever he says yeah yeah and then the, the first capture of marwan where jack is uh uh saying like oh you're gonna give us information it's already too late because you think uh, yeah th- those incredible scenes think about what you got in the first three seasons like jack versus raisins i don't think you ever mm-hmm. top that uh all the logan stuff next season if not that he's bad uh is pretty decent <laughs> um season two there wasn't really one uh and season three like the Saunders threatening to put Jane in the building and then kind of having him. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of their conclusion. But even the bit when he's um, interrogating Saunders, like what happened to you, Stephen? We've got that photo of, Hey, look over there. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that. that, That's the best chemistry of any two actors. Like that's brilliant. And you know how much I love Saunders. So yeah, it's kind of, it was just a bit of a letdown. I feel that you kind of Mm -hmm. get that. I agree with that. Two quick things actually that I wanted to mention. I think we'll talk more about this on Raker Owlsworth next week. Cause I I really want to, we haven't eulogized a character in a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I guess we haven't really eulogized a main character in a very long time. So uh, we'll have to do that twice next week. But like one thing I want to talk about with Rekha Owlsworth is just the fact that, you know, I talk a lot about this on Third Watch and Nip Tuck. And I guess we did a bit on Lost too. But like, how is she an actor that just didn't go on to bigger things? I just don't understand it. Like yeah. she was in Lost for a couple episodes and we kind of talked about Lost. She was not that memorable. I completely forgot. She's actually in uh, the second last season of AR for about half of it. Um, so there's that, but I mean, looking since then, she's really done. I think she was, I think she sort of got her big break in one of those bad alien versus predator movies. I'm pretty sure she was in one yeah, of them that is the, the second the, one, the bad one. Like, cause I remember like, it was sort of a big deal at the time. The 24 community was like, Oh my God, she's getting like a big Hollywood blockbuster. This is going to be great for her. And then it didn't really go anywhere. She was in man in the moon. Apparently the Jim Carrey movie. Okay. There you go. She playing that. She's in, you've got mail. She's Thanksgiving <laughs> guest. Oh, <laughs> there's a Thanksgiving scene in there later this year, Colin. Uh, we get to see Rekha. <laughs> and the other one I wanted to mention, Louis Lombardi. I knew I remembered him from something outside of Spider-Man. Remember the really shit movie, Rob Schneider movie? It wasn't shit, but it was like weirdly entertaining. We, we, we watched it because of Survivor, the animal because of Colleen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's got Michael Kate, uh, Caton in it from the castle, if you remember from Australia versus New Zealand mm-hmm. month. Um, I remember he was like one of the sidekicks in it because like I, I remember this like really awkward scene when like he gets horns or something and his eyes turn red because I don't know if you remember that movie but it's it's odd. I don't remember that. Yeah. But his character in the animal is simply called Fatty. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> poor Lewis Lombardi. But anyway, yeah, we'll talk you know, more about Rako next week. I think. Uh, side note here. Uh, there's an actor who recently died. He was in the John Wick movies. He was in a lot of things. Fringe, um, the J.J. Abrams show, uh, Lance Reddick. Uh, and I looked up on the he was apparently on several episodes of Lost, but I'm like, I have no recollection of him. Uh Lance. He just he just Reddick? died. Like a lot yeah, a lot of people are talking about one of these oh, like Oh yeah, you'd know him. He's heroes. the um oh, yeah, what's his name in Lost? Um He's the guy who like sees Locke like in the wheelchair and like in the real life and he's pushing him around and he's kind of got a mysterious Oh, okay. You'd know him. Like oh uh, uh, yeah, talk to 
Post that in um, our 007 group with Noah because oh, what's his name in Lost? This is annoying me now. Uh, I'm going to see this before. This is great podcasting. Um, Abaddon. Matthew Abaddon. Yeah, he's only in four episodes, but no, you'd know him. He, oh, yeah, yeah. The name. Now it's coming back with a name. Yeah. He's like the mysterious guy who always shows up with like Locke yeah. and pushes him around in a wheelchair and kind of connects him to the island. And he gets shot in the back of the head, I think, when like Ben's an assassin or whatever it is, and Saeed's an assassin or whatever it is. You know, so. Well, let's, let's eulogize him in real life. Rest oh, in peace, I didn't realize he died. That's sad. Um... So yeah, just really quickly before I move to the episodes. So I mean, I don't want to go over all that, like the characters who have been like one or two episodes, but like, is there a standout for you of the one? Like, I'm I'm saying Mandy. I mean, just had me a curse in the back for a couple of episodes, and randomly just because Natalie Portman's ex boyfriend. I thought Lucas Haas was kind of interesting at the beginning. Remember him? Remember yeah. Chloe's friend Lucas Haas? He was kind of good, and uh, like he was a decent name in the mid to late '90s. Lucas Haas. He kind of mm-hmm. dropped off the radar, but I mean, he dated Natalie Portman, unlike Moby. Um, and I guess Aaron was in this season for two episodes, but <laughs> stay <laughs> tuned for the Aaron season next year. Cause that was, we talk about yeah. Kiefer's bag being a fan service thing. The fact that the fans fucking loved Aaron to the point that they basically made him almost a major character next season is incredible. <laughs> uh, any of the, the one, you know, and Leighton Messer. Oh, what a babe. Uh, a couple of episode stars. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would have said, uh, Andrew, you know, I, I think that that's the character that we went to is like, oh yeah, he's one of those kids, but he was a lot better. And the idea of his character was a lot more interesting than what we normally got with the the kids, the early season episodes of the kids. Um, but uh, I'll throw a shout out here to Omar. Cause I like the, the, mm. uh, I guess the, yeah, yeah. the Ira Gaines like villains, like, yeah. oh, we think this is going to be a villain. They're not. And uh, Syed Ali last season was another one of those, but uh, yeah, Omar was really good. And I would say underutilized, but I feel like underutilizing him, in those first few episodes is what gave you that false sense of he's going to be the big villain. Yeah. And then props to, to Ty Ma for his first appearance. And obviously, Oh yeah. Uh, we're gonna Mr. Gao. <laughs> Mr. Gao. Yes, exactly. Uh, so just on the episodes, obviously, um, you know, the best, the worst, I think this one's a pretty easy one. I mean, I didn't been any episodes at all in season three. So this is the first time since season two, I had been anything. So just looking at the total, we both bought 14 you binned four, rented six. I rented five, binned five. Um, best episode for me is the Paul dies, invades the Chinese consulate. Massive ramifications for the rest of the season as we talked about, uh, series as we talked about in that episode. And I, I think, again, it's one that we didn't realize at the time how important it is, but you just, I think you really need to always bookmark that episode, episode 20 of season four as maybe one of the most important episodes in all of 24. Uh, and also episode 16, the Air Force One episode, getting shot down, I think is a, is a great episode. Uh, special props to the penultimate episode of this season with the fake out over Tony's death and the maybe the most underrated episode in all of 24, the most unique episode in all of 24, the campers episode, when the, yeah. the episode after Air Force One is blown up, kind of we, we focus an entire episode on two random people who we never see from again. Um, mm-hmm. So that was very unique. And the bad ones, I mean... Yeah, episode 18, everybody just phones it in. It was just kind of bland. Jack robs a gas station, episode four, come on. Um, And then just the middle run of three episodes, episodes 10, 11, 12, Jack versus an EMP, just fuck right off. Um, It was just dumb. It was cheesy and it was just boring. Um, So, And also a bit of a props to the premiere episode as well, just as you mentioned, obviously with the kidnapping, we might talk about that very shortly. Um, I think the premiere of season four is a often overlooked decent episode of 24 in terms of the ranking, the premieres. Um, yeah, I mean, on my number one of the season is same as yours. I think it's Paul's death. 
Um, I actually have my second highest of the season is the uh, the the rescue of uh, Audrey and Heller. Mm. Remember Jack you had a Storm's high one up, yeah. Down. That was a, that was a good yeah. one. I, I had that quite. That was a, episode six. I had that. Yeah, episode six. I um, apparently have the finale higher than that one. Interesting, but no, that was a good episode. I think because I think I remember the second half of that episode drops off a little bit. Uh, I I have obviously the Jack Robinson convenience store is pretty low, but actually my lowest of the season is episode twelve, which I'm looking up now to see what that one A&P. was. Uh, that's the EMP one, yeah. So yeah, th- that's uh pretty low for me. Mine too, actually. Uh, that's in my bottom five episodes, but it's it's my, my third fifth lowest bottom. at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, it's actually of the four seasons, it uh, is the only. Uh, or I was gonna say, that, yeah. There's there's five episodes that are my bottom five. Three of them are from season two, one from season one, and one from season four. So season three, uh, my lowest episode is number 86 so not even in my bottom 10 so yeah another bump up for uh season Mine's three 80 there. yeah my season three is my lowest is 80 overall so there you go what's your lo- is your um, lowest so- a cougar episode the same as me Two two eleven. is that your lowest two no that's my third lowest two eight which i don't even know what oh, was that that one is. i think that was the one that i liked and you didn't like that was the one that was kind of like really cheesy um was that the one with the terrace the freaking three stooges Mm, I have to go back to look. Two um, eight, because I'm pretty sure I bought two eight. That was the one where you and I were very divided on. Because <laughs> I remember going into going like, "This is stupid," but I love it. Yeah, that that sounds like something you would do. Um, really, Cougar yeah, third last? What second last? Uh, it's a season one episode. Season one episode four. Oh, that was the the Teddy Hanlon episode. That was uh, one fourteen. I've got one seventeen as the second worst. That's Terry Amnesia. So, and I've so got four two, third worst. What is it? Two four? I said uh, two eight. Two eight. Uh, two eight is Kim and Miguel are arrested in the police plan to no, take them back. That is that karate Tony, kick. Yes, karate kick. Yeah. Uh, Palmer discovers a traitor in his ranks when journalist whom he was holding a set free uh. Nina kills her contact, setting herself up as a main player to locate the bomb. The Ow. plane is attacked and goes down. Yeah, that that yeah that one we were definitely divided on. I, I love the fact looking at my overall list because I thought Cougar was just going to end up at the bottom. Uh, again, there are 216 episodes we rank. Cougar, I'm seeing here right now, is 195. So uh, in the coming second half of 24, I have what got like another 20 episodes to come. Which, uh, And I'm just looking at here, and I'm going to tell you now, they're all from season six, seven, and legacy. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing Surprise. from five or eight or nine are worse than the Cougar <laughs> episode. But uh, six, there's a lot of six. There's a lot of seven and there's a lot of legacy. So <laughs> there's some bad shit to come. Um, I'm very intrigued about this one, actually. And I, oof, I'm i intrigued on my own ranking here. Seasoned rankings. This gets a little bit harder mm. the more and more we move on. That's what she said. So, um, so people don't know what we do here. Obviously, at the end of every season, we will rank them in order of what our favorites are to the least favorites. So coming into this... Uh, Colin, your ranking is first you have season one, second you have season three, third you have season two. Mine is first I have season one, second I have season three, and four, uh, third, I'm looking at different lists here, I've got season So We had the same rankings. But I'm very intrigued to hear or see or do or all the above what you're going to do here with season four. Yeah, this is tough because I came into this uh, assuming season four would be my favorite of the first uh, four seasons. And in a way it is. I I feel like if I were to rank which season I would just want to put on 
and watch through and just be entertained, I would probably go to season four first. Uh, and I think part of that is that it is less commitment than season one, two, and three, because you have the storyline broken up a little bit more. I mean, it is definitely still very, um, um, what's the opposite of episodic, uh, serialized. It's still very serialized, but it, it it's not quite as much of, oh, when you start episode one, you got to watch all the way through to episode 13 before you really get any change. Uh, but but I think being objective, the episodes aren't necessarily as strong overall as uh, I'd say, you know, season one or three. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to keep season one as number one. Yay. Which I, I, that makes me I again, happy. I, I, I kind of came into this rewatch uh, from the beginning thinking season one's like a mid season. I'm like, no, I still hold it up pretty high. Because oh, that makes me very so happy. Much of it. I think part of it is like season one is sort of its own thing and the show evolved after that. And it's a lot of the things that didn't evolve that I'm not even saying it's nostalgia. It's just you, you look back and you're like, Oh, this is, I think you refer to as like the innocent times 24. Right. Um, But I, I would actually still put season three above season four, just because I think when you can really get over some of the absurdity of season three and the darkness of season three, where it's, it, it is unpleasant to watch, but it's so powerful at times, despite some of the really questionable things that happened throughout that season. Uh, there's so many moments which you just can't forget. Uh, and I don't feel like the drama of season four ever quite lived up to that. So surprising myself coming in thinking uh, before we started this, I would have ranked season four and then season one and then two and then three. I'm actually still holding to one, three, four, and then two. It makes me honestly very happy. Like it, it really does because, like, it's so people in- can change. But it's so interesting when you read, you know, in hindsight. I've watched a few videos on YouTube. I've, I've talked about this before. You know, ranking the twenty-four seasons, and one just always gets dropped down so low now. And like, it's just, it's. I want to put this to maybe these aren't people who watched it when it aired, and a few of them, the YouTube mm. videos I did watch, they said like, I never watched this one. So I, you know came in season three, season four. And so there's very rare that you find these day one 24 fans who were there when season one happened. It's kind of like Survivor fans now. Like it's sort of, oh, I'm going to rank Idol of the Idols number three over Borneo. Fuck right <laughs> off. Um, but like, so that just it makes me happy because I know you sort of talked down a little bit on season one coming into it, but uh, oh, generally gets me happy. And same with season three. Like, uh, you know, I've spent my entire life defending season three. Oh, <laughs> making me emotional. You finally made a good pitch for something. Uh, What's going to be really interesting, though, is when we get to season six. I'm I'm pretty confident coming in. Like, I always love season five the most, and I always hated season six. But season seven is the one where I'm like, I loved season seven. You're kind of talking it down. I'm going to see if it holds up. Look, uh, seven and eight are always the sort of forgettable ones to me that I always just get blurred over what I think of them. And I think that I always kind of had a somewhat positive. I always thought I liked seven more than eight. But just on that speed rewatch, like, don't get me started, seven. Oh my God. Um, but like, I'm really like, but like, honestly, like based on, for the most part, like I don't, I don't keep track of your rankings of the individual episodes, but if we match them, and I know there's obviously a few discrepancies. We said two, eight, like obviously you hated it. I liked it. There's some other ones there, but I think we've been fairly close. And I think our opinions yeah. are actually rarely on other shows are actually kind of very similar. So based on my thinking, I'm pretty sure you're going to be going on the same vibe of me for season seven because like you've got it. Yeah, I really am. Um, my rankings are exactly the same as yours. Funnily enough, I, I, I sort of preempt the text on our website and I actually kind of thought you were going to put four at two. So I, I didn't expect you to put three at two, but no one staying number one for me, um, two, yeah. Season three for me, like 
I, I didn't be in a single episode. I mean, again, as I said last season, on paper, I should be putting that as number one. That was my nip-tuck season four argument. But I, I at the end of the day, season one gets the cake. And season three, I just will always offend it. It's not that I dislike season four. It's just if I had to, you force my hand, I like season three better than season four now. That wasn't the case maybe five, ten years ago. But our rewatch and when we did it, and Saunders saves that season for making it the top. And season two, it's the one that drops down. It, it like does. Yeah. But having said that, it won't end up at the bottom. I'm not just it, saying that. There's worse ones to but, come. But like, and that's not even just me like, oh, Legacy 7, they, they're shit. But like, it's just, I think in hindsight, that is the season that, you know, right now we think's bad, but like you will think it's much better than I'm hoping at least two of this well, and Legacy. So at least three of the seasons. So Do, do you have uh, like a bit of a discrepancy like I have where, you know, there's maybe a certain season isn't going to be your highest ranked season overall, but you would rather watch that over something else? Because again, I, I would struggle to get the motivation to watch season three again because it is so dark. Um, but yeah, season four, which is inconsistent at times and doesn't quite reach the heights of like season one or three. I feel like this is something I, I almost want to rewatch it right now because there's just so much fun in it. It's a great point. Um, it'd probably be season nine or season eight for me. Um, cause I think eight sort of surprised me a little bit on the rewatch is like, Oh, actually this is, you know, not bad. And then nine, nine was the one. Cause I'd never rewatched nine after watching it live on TV. There's like a bad an episode or two that are bad and there are issues with season nine, but it's got some pretty solid episodes in it. And for a reboot, you know, so yeah, um, probably nine or eight, I would say. Mm. Um, I think the thing with season six is that, while seven is frustratingly bad in the fact that they just kind of go off a cliff with some good stuff and they just lose it. Like six just gets to a point where you just know every week, yeah, this is crap, this is crap, this is crap, this is crap. Oh, a good episode. Oh, it's crap, it's crap, it's crap, it's crap. It's like <laughs> expectations. Just, yeah, like you know the first four episodes are great. You know there's like one good episode like halfway through and then the finale is pretty good and everything else is just fucking shit. Whereas seven, it's like kind of like, oh, this is going with, oh, and then just by the end, it's frustrating because mm-hmm. it's just like, what have they done? Um, so I don't know if that answered your question, but um, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be very intrigued for next season because I think this is where the debate comes. And like right now, even I don't even know what I will put at number one. Like uh, my heart definitely says season one will always be number one for me, but then season five, it's season five. And obviously we're and, preempting. We've got something to do before we really talk about season five. But yeah, it's going to be intriguing this segment next season. That That's something that's also uh, should be mentioned that that just simply looking at the, your rankings of the episodes doesn't necessarily determine what your favorite no. season is. Because like you're mentioning, you're not going to bin anything. You're going to buy almost every episode of season five. You didn't do that with season one, not even close. But ultimately with a season, you have to look at everything. It's not just how good are the episodes all around. It's how well executed is the story? How good are all the characters? Yeah. Uh, at what points do they drop it? Because with a show that's done in real time, sometimes it is those lulls and where they're placed that'll determine how good a season is overall. If you have too long of a lull, if you have too many lulls, then that could change it, even if the rest of the episodes are incredible. Yeah, well, I've been three episodes in season one, not a single episode in season three, but I still rank season one above it. And I mean, spoiler, I've said this a few times, I've only been two episodes next season. That's less than season one. So you would assume, well, that's automatically going to make it number one. But yeah, you're right. And like, yeah. I also... I do hold a nostalgia factor to it. I, I look back to when I watched it for the first time and those memories, and I've talked about that on other other shows. Survivor, like, you know, where we originally came from, like, it's that is a big nostalgia thing for me. 
you know, like I, Borneo on paper, is it a top 10 season? Maybe not, but like it's a nostalgia factor. We were all there. If you watch that live and what that was like experiencing that for the first time. Is, is it kind of like the yeah. wedding on Neighbours? <laughs> the second greatest episode, not in Australia, the second greatest episode in television history that I watched last week. And I'm like, Okay, what what am I missing? <laughs> but, but, well, you, well, I mean, I I was born the year that happened, so I never watched it live, Colin. So I don't know. Uh, but like, I mean, ask my parents. But um, yeah, uh, the contentious bit, and we'll obviously preview a bit more of season five in a moment. But uh, my favorite bit, I love doing this, and uh, you know, uh, the top moments of the season. So again, if you're new and you don't know what we do, basically during each recap, if there's a big moment, we say this is a potential nominee for the top five. Colin and I will debate sort of the ones that we've each marked down and then we'll come up with a list of five of the big five moments from the season and then we'll rank them from five to one. And of course, ultimately, each of the top five from each season then goes into the pool at the end once we've done all 216 episodes and basically we then choose the top 10 moments from all 216 episodes of 24. If you're confused, listen to our third watch. I lost our uh, Nip Tuck coverage. We've done it. Uh, Breaking Bad. We've done it all in those. So... I went through, I wrote all down the moments. Do you, I don't know if you've got yours in front of you. I mean, there's three to I me do, that yeah. are obviously straight. Do we, do we just want to get the three in there that are in there automatically? I mean, Air Force One, Paul's death. And, and the final um, scene. The the final scene. Oh, you have that. I don't even have that on there. The, the final scene where Jack walks off into the sunset and the phone call with Palmer. Yeah. They're my three obvious. What, what's the one that you were thinking? Don't say, hey. Like, well, I, I put the, I put the Palmer, I do have hay on my list. I have it on there <laughs> but, too, but like, come I, on. I have, I have the Palmer conversation kind of as its own thing, but yeah, if you want to group that in together. I think that, it groups it. I mean, I know when I did my 24 moments of 24, I, I started that scene. I mean, you could technically start it from Audrey, but because you've got the split screen, I don't really count that. So I count it from the car pulls up, Jack, Tony conversation with Michelle. Then he walks out phone call. It's like a five yeah. minute scene. To me, that's all one scene. So that's what yeah. I count that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I do have the Palmer phone call in here, although it wouldn't be the highest on my list. So I, I would say we've got at least two locks right now for Air Force One attack and Paul's death. Oh, they're, they're number one and two, 100%. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I mean. I've, I've asterisked three as locks and I'm, yeah, so those three that are in there. So the other two, okay, so I'll do you want me to read mine or do you want to read yours first? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll go through mine if you want. Okay. Um, I've got Jack's raid on uh, Omar's compound with yep, uh, rescuing that. Audrey and Heller. Yep. Got Tony's triumphant return. Yep, I've got that. Uh, I have the first Marwan showdown um, in the office, the guy playing solitaire and Jack clotheslining people at random. Oh, I, I don't have that uh, one, but yeah, okay. Uh, I've got Michelle and Tony's, uh, I guess, parting thing where they decide to leave. I can't live without you one. Oh, I don't have that uh, one, okay. And I've got Mandy's capture, the, um, oh, the, the showdown. At the end. Okay, yeah, that's an yeah. interesting one. I've got a different Mandy one, but I, that's a good one. Um so the Is one she clothed in yours? She's never clothed in anything that I have. Uh, so the ones I've had, uh, so Helen and Audrey's kidnapped at the end of the uh, episode one, uh, The Phantom Menace. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, I've got Jack Storm's a compound, but in the same episode, I've also got the moment where he knife kills Omar. I just I fucking love that moment. Um, I've got... I've got Jack going, hey. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, my Mandy moment is the Tony fake death. You lied, Michelle, you bitch. Like, you know, and then sort of oh, Michelle's yeah. reaction to that. And then I've got three moments from the finale. So I've got the first Jack and Palmer phone call, which is obviously, I think, overshadowed by the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've got Logan versus Palmer. I've got the fight oh. between them. So, I mean, yeah, what, I mean, what are I, ones that you're going to advocate the most for? Is there any of mine that kind of, you know, 
Well, I mean, I, I would really push for the the Mandy capture over the other scene, although I don't think that it's something that I would fight for, you know, to make the top five list here. I would say, uh, like, I love Tony's return, uh, but we have the Jack uh, rescue of Audrey and Heller, and then we have the kidnapping of Audrey and Heller, both strong moments. But I would say between those two, if we're going to cancel one of those out, would we agree that the rescue, the raid on the compound is the stronger of the two? Probably. I mean, I'm just thinking that it's a it's a shocking moment with the Audrey Heller kidnap because it's sort of the the lead in. Although then you kind of get that cheesy line of Secretary of Defense, which is a bit annoying. But no, I think we all agreed. Like we all agree because there's more than two of us. Um, <laughs> that the the compound raid was pretty epic. Um, yeah, it's it's arguably for action sequences. It's Jack Bauer's best action sequence. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Um, I'm just trying to think. I know season one was stacked. I don't think we had um, them capturing Nina at the end, did did we? Like Jack no, pinning into the had- car. Because that reminds me a lot of this Mandy capture. I Look, mm-hmm. I honestly think the Tony fake out is more because I just think it was shocking. And like I just remember like watching that and just legitimately thinking Tony was dead. And just like the Michelle reaction, the Jack reaction and just... It was such a well played out scenario that even as the audience we didn't know. Um, where I, I don't know, I think that just hits more of a chord than the Mandy capture. That's just that's my take on that. Yeah. Um, so so are we at three now? With um, I'd say we're at four. So if, if we're if we're if we're agreeing on Jack storming the compound, we've got four. So we've got Jack storming the compound. We've got Air Force One shot down. We've got Paul's death, and we've got the final scene of the finale. Oh yeah, that's right. So we're to one um, left. I mean, I think I'm I'm a bigger advocate for Michelle and Tony's uh, oh, no. scene. No, sorry. Um, we're Season two split. was way better than that, and you wouldn't put that in. No, <laughs> we're 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 kind of split on the um uh the Mandy scenes. Although I I think I, I personally think the scene with Mandy, like you know, look in my eyes and tell me that you're gonna, or will you pull the trigger? Look in his eyes, yeah. and you'll actually do it. It's such a good scene. Um, but the, when you mentioned like it's similar to the Nina thing, is the Nina scene better? I don't know. No, Nina scene's uh, way better. Like, I mean, yeah. And the Nina scene didn't make it. Like, look, like, yeah, the Nina scene because it's memorable. Like, I trusted you, like Jack with a gun yeah. and a like. I mean, come on, that's way more memorable. So, are you are you not really sold on Tony's return or the Marwan uh, Jack office scene? Uh, look, I to be honest with you, like I the Mac the Mac Jack Wow one, um, memorable, but like. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd prefer Tony's return over that. Um, but I think we've already got a shootout. Like, I think kind of we've got like the the compound one, and and that Tony's reveal is a shootout, if you know what I mean. Um, and then yeah, to me, I think it would be just between those two Mandy ones. Like in the end, yeah. like of everything else we've got. Yeah, I'm like I, okay, let me backtrack. I don't dislike the Michelle Tony scene that you talk about, but I did completely disagree. The season two <laughs> one was way better than that. I mean, I would, I would really push for Mandy's capture as the better scene, just because you get all three actors really able to do something, and you're slowing it down. Yeah, the the shock of the Tony fake death is fantastic, but um, I, I feel like there's lots of fake deaths, or we have another fake death at the end of this season. Uh, whereas the the Mandy scene, I, I I really like to have like a villain scene in here, and you know, I, well, think I think we get more of Mandy in the capture scene. I, I mean, I agree. I just, I don't know. I just. Look, I'm I'm happy to like give you that. I'll see if I can make one last argument. I just I feel it's just it's not really a shock that Curtis sneaks up on Mandy and takes her out. We know she's about to go down. Whereas 
we at no point, I think, realize that this was going to happen with Tony about to supposedly die. It's Michelle's reaction is like the audience and even just Jack's reaction. He just kind of has this shock look on his face like, holy fuck. And again, you don't put it past 24 to kill someone off like this. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's again, it's the way that the this plot by Mandy, I mean, you mentioned there's a deleted scene explaining this is what I'm doing with the neighbours. But, like, we yeah. don't even know that. And I think that that's what makes this really good. So when we see the umbrella, we see these two people get towards the car and then it's just, it's so sudden. It's so quick. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the line. Like, Mandy, like, you know, I believe you. I think, you you know, you'll let, you know, you'll kill me or you don't care if he dies or whatever she says. I'm, I'm all on board. I love that sequence. But there's just something around this Mandy sequence, which is just like, wow, okay. And, like, you're completely, no pun intended, blown away by the fact that this has just happened in front of you and you believe that Tony's dead. More so than See, next I mean- season. Well, we, we had back in season one, the, the one, I guess, surprise that wouldn't normally be considered uh, this will always be in a top five list is Jack's towel threat that he had in that. And to me, this Mandy capture scene is very similar to that and that we are seeing Jack Bauer at a point where even the audience is questioning, oh, he's not going to go that far. And you're like, no, no, he actually will. So I I, I feel like this is almost a companion to that season uh, one scene. We're, it's funny because we're, we're both very sold on each moment. But we're just, so, oh, which one do you like more? Um, I mean, we got, okay, let's look at what we have. We have four lock scenes. One is a dialogue scene, the the phone conversation. Uh, one is a shocker moment with Air Force One going down. Well, two are shocker moments. Paul's death is kind of a shocker moment in a way. Yeah, oh, Paul's death, I mean, all around. That's just, that's like, that's like Chappelle's death, you know? That's mm-hmm. like a dramatic moment of all time. Uh, and then we have the raid, so we have an action sequence. Yes, yeah. See, I mean, both of these, both of the Mandy scenes aren't really represented anywhere else in the list. I, I'm, I'll, I'm willing to to give you yours because it it is like a big surprise moment. Although I just want to make one last pitch that I think will speak to you. Um, we don't see Mia Kirshner in your scene. We see her in mine, and I'm just wondering if that'll sway you in any way. <laughs> nah. <laughs> we hear her. She says the word bitch. <laughs> so. All right, I'll go with yours. Right, uh, I'll remember but, that next season. I remember that. I mean, I think we yeah, have a since, few more next you're season. Still, you're still holding a grudge from season two, not including Tony and Michelle, so I know so, you'll remember. <laughs> so sad that that didn't make it. That's <laughs> one of my favorite moments. All right, so the order. Okay, so I think we know what our top two are going to be. We'll debate that in a moment. Um, would I say that three would be the raid then based on us, I think? Like, I mean... Yeah, I think we both were pretty quick to agree on that one. Okay, so hang on. Let me just make five, four, three, two, one. So three is raid on compound. That is episode six. The Phantom Menace. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So five seems as it was the last one in. Do we go with the Tony's fake out death? Yeah. And number four, the final scene. Jack, yeah. Yep. Final scene. I think, have we so far had every final scene? We would have had every final scene in uh, every season so far. Um, was season two? The the President uh, Palmer's hand. So that made ten, our list, though? That would have made our list. I'd be very shocked if it didn't. Um, I mean, season two's wild card. What are you going to pick? I mean, I think we really said, well, <laughs> the nuclear bomb probably would have been number one that season. but um, Not the cougar? I think I didn't. I put that in as a joke. You did, um, yeah. <laughs> so we do our own little personal videos since we can't um, put them up online. So Mandy Fake Death, so episode 23. I'm pre- we would have had to put the president. How could we not have 
uh, the assassination attempt on Papa. I, I mean, I really do my. Uh, I'll get this up. Okay, while I'm getting I'll, this up, I'll look it up. Please. See, no, I'll, I'll do it. It's fine. It's, 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 it's all right. I can do it. Um, okay, fine. The the top spot. Um, look, I I would say right now it's Paul's death. I just like yeah, I, I completely. You're agree. fine. We don't need to debate this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no I debate. Just, I think just quickly, just I mean. The the moment it's got so many elements to it. Um, the grand scheme of things, the the moments between Audrey and Jack, the acting from Kiefer, the music, like everything fits. And I mean, not to take away from Air Force One. Was Air Force One just hit? Was Air Force One just hit? Like that's up there with the, oh my god, they just did that moment in twenty four history. But I think that if you were to maybe just quiz the casual fan, they probably remember Paul's death a little. I mean, they're gonna remember Air Force One got shot down, but are they gonna be able to quote it like us geeks? Whereas I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they will remember the the moment when yeah Paul dies. So I don't know if you have anything yeah. to add. And yeah, because I um I think we talked about it during the Paul death episode. Like that's one of the moments that even if you have trouble placing what season was this in, what season was this in, you mentioned season four. That's like the first thing that comes to at least my mind. Mm. Uh, and as shocking as Air Force One being hit was, and like I can't believe they did that, like the nuke. I would say that Paul's death was probably the most shocking moment to me in the season even though it's not quite as big as they shot down Air Force One, because shooting down Air Force One is, I can't believe the network allowed them to do this, whereas Paul's death, I can't believe that they're taking the story in this direction. Yeah, I've got all the moments. I've got a recap. So just to recap then, so our final five from this season. So the fifth best moment from episode 23 is the Tony fake-out death uh, with Mandy. Uh, episode uh, Number four from episode 24 is just the final sequence, basically from Jack, Michelle, and Tony pulling up at the rail. Yeah, excuse me, uh, Palmer phone call and walking off into the sunrise. It would have been better a sunset. Seriously, they, they fucked that one up. Um, number three is Jack's raid on the compound to rescue Hella and Audrey, which I guess technically includes the knife murder, doesn't it? Like, I mean, why did I put that as a separate thing? Because that's when he rescues them. I don't know. I'm an idiot. Uh, number two uh, from episode 16, Air Force One getting shot down. And the number one moment from season four from episode 20, Paul's death uh so just quickly from season and again if people we won't recap this every season although i guarantee you next season what do we have from season four uh obviously (laughs) in our series recap when we will rank these in order and we'll get our overall top 10 so last season uh russian roulette scene sherry's death jack chops chase arm to stop the virus jack's breakdown and jack kills Chappelle. uh season two nina gives her demands to palmer marie's revealed to be evil jack kills a suspect and demands a hacksaw assassination attempt on palmer there we go and the bomb goes off number one and season one jack interrogates coffle david breaks up with sherry in the ballroom jack takes down the drazens nina is revealed to be the mole mole and terry's death three moments from one episode uh that's how good season 24 episode 24 of season one is um next week episode one of season five obviously we'll touch on the prequel He's online. It's it's a bit harder to find than it used to be, but uh, if you search for season five prequel, it might be like Daily Motion or something now. Um, not the best of the prequels. I actually, honestly, like if we rank the prequels, I think maybe you go four, five, six. <laughs> um, oh, six is intriguing. It just doesn't go anywhere. Uh, although I guess Redemption is a prequel and I quite enjoy Redemption. Um, I mean, yeah, I mentioned this last week, arguably one of the greatest, maybe the greatest episode of 24 uh, not my number one. I spoiled that last week. But, I mean, yeah, people remember this episode. And what, the, the great thing about this episode is that it sets up season five. And I remember watching this, and we'll talk about this next week, but I literally remember going like, well, it's all downhill from here. How are they going to top that? And they just kept finding ways in season five. This is what season six could have been. Like, I mean, it starts off so good, and then it just falls off the wagon. Like, 
this is why season five is so good because it hits fucking massive highs so early, maybe drops off like an episode, but then it just keeps coming back and it finds its rhythm so well. They were really on their form in season five, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one. I'm excited to talk about Connie Britton. Uh, (laughs) Great bookends of this season. Starts with Connie Britton, ends with Kate Mara. What more could you want? Um, Like there's just so much to love about season five. But again, as I've said a few times, it's definitely a season that is better on a first watch when you don't know the massive twist of this season. Because I really want you, Colin, and I really want people listening if they're watching along, if you know the big twist, and I think it's like episode 16, 17, that just watch that character and you watch that with the knowledge of what they turn out to be. Because I don't believe that they knew at the beginning that's what they are going to do. And please, John Kazar, how it just proved me wrong because we've kind of established that at the end of this season that maybe they knew. But, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, it really doesn't. And maybe I'm in a minority there. But not to take away from it, it's an epic twist. We talk about Air Force One. Can't believe they did that on network television. Can't believe they made a certain character evil on that network television, which really brings some amazing stuff. But, um, yeah, it's a 95% amazing fucking season. And we're finally here. We get Martha, Martha Logan, Gene Smart. We get more Glenn Morshower for Aaron as well. Uh, Bill Buchanan, we're going to meet Karen this season as well. Chloe's there. Kim's back. Like, uh, mm-hmm. who ever thought we'd be excited that Kim's coming back, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> but I'm so actually, I legitimately almost cried happy tears when I saw Alicia Cuthbert return when I watched this live. I was that happy. Uh, we get Sean Astin next season. I mean, yeah. God, tick off the names next season. Um, yeah, are you, are you pumped, Colin? Yeah, this is the last season that I rewatched, like, the entire thing start to finish. Um, yeah, after this six, I don't think I have ever rewatched anything from it. Uh, seven, I rewatched, but like on TV where I might miss an episode here and there. And I don't think I ever rewatched uh, eight or nine or definitely uh, Legacy. Haven't rewatched. Uh, I mean, just just looking through. I mean, you mentioned like Sean Aston. That's that's really exciting because I think he's he's <laughs> he's a character that. How do you come into a show like this? cast a guy like Sean Astin and want to smack him that much throughout the season. Like the most lovable guy in Hollywood next to Brendan Fraser. And yet, you know, he, he pulls off scummy so good at times. I'm just jumping in here right now, because this is definitely a season where you have that mindset, but I'm saying this right now and I'm 90% sure you will agree with me. Sean Astin is not in the wrong. CTU and Jack and Chloe and everyone else and Bill are in the wrong. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure we're going to. Yeah, this is going to be one of our things. It's like, ah, what did they actually do wrong? But but I mean, even just the way he's playing a character, like that's not who you cast for a role like that. And mm-hmm. he does it well. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of things like you mentioned some of the major ones uh, like Martha. That's going to be a big part. Mm-hmm. I'm actually really excited about the villains. I mean, we're going to get um, uh, what's his name? Peter Weller. Uh, well, Peter Weller. Yeah, Peter Weller and also Julian Sands, you know. Uh, yeah, but. Um, the 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 guy the brother uh, Graham. Um, oh, Paul McCrane. Well, Paul we don't McCrane. know he's a brother yet. He doesn't get officially named yeah. as his oh, brother in season six. I mean, what we meant to say is he was Sean Astin's brother. That's what we meant. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean the the presence that he has in this season, it's like whoa, <laughs> who is this guy? Fantastic. And I mean, I'll, I'll even give a shout out here to uh, the the vice president Gardner. Oh yeah. And, uh, Another great minor um, minor character that we get, and and obviously Wayne's coming back, and we mentioned hey, the DB Con- Connie Britton, future I mean, president is- DB Woodside, who becomes a murderer next season. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really crazy for me though is that um, 
sometimes you do blur this season and this season. Like I don't realize until I look through the episode count here, how little um, Heller is in this season. Mm. Only a couple episodes. Cause again, big impact he makes very little. And we're going to get introduced to Morris in this season. Yeah. Oh yeah. I also Morris is, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I knew, knew that this wasn't like a main character Morris, but like, I also would have thought Morris was more than two episodes, but he'll make those two episodes count. Yeah. And th- I mean, there's, there's definitely a roll your eyes moment when it's like, you realize who he is and a certain character has kept this secret for a long time. Like, really? Um, but like other, like you're right. Like I looking through the list, I forget that these are the, this is the season we meet these people. Like, I mean, we, we I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, Henry Ian Cusick lost Ian, Henry Ian Cusick yeah. is in a couple of episodes. Um, what's the a face? Bond girl is going to be in the next season. <laughs> she is exactly. Uh, what's her name? Uh, what is it? Stana Kadich? Is that the Stana Kadich? Sure. Yeah. Let's call her that. Yeah. I mean, she's good. I mean, as I mentioned, of course, um, Kate Mara's in it, but like the one that surprised me was like, I always had these like memories of the random kids, and that sounds wrong, in 24. Like, fucking Josh Bauer. Oh. But like, I always remember like really disliking Connie Britton's son, uh, the kid who's at the very beginning of this season, going like, oh God, he's another one of those. I'm saying this right now. No, he's actually good. Um, I actually like on my rewatch, I'm like, oh. I thought I hated this kid, but he's actually kind of cool. I like this kid. So, and I like this sort of weird storyline that you get with Jack and Connie Britton and this Derek kid at the beginning. So, and the the Russian president who sort of becomes a bit of a bigger deal. Super off. He was um uh, Nick Jamison. He was in Lost for a couple of times. He was fucking um, Claire's weird Australian savoyant. Like, you know, oh, you got to go to fish and fry. I think he actually is Australian too, Nick Jamison. So, um, no, he's American, but then maybe just did a bad Australian accent. But yeah, and Aaron, if you like Aaron... You're going to get a lot of Aaron next season. But just, again, special mention, Gene Smart. Emmy Award winner. Like, I love me, Gene Smart. Oh, I'm so excited we get to talk about Martha Logan next season. And and it it is basically, let's bring back Palmer drama, but now it'll be Logan drama. But I'm going to say right now, it is handled better than any of the Palmer drama that we got in the first three seasons. I would actually, I mean... They perfected this with the, with the Palmer drama. When they never could quite get right with Palmer drama, they perfect with Logan drama and the later Taylor drama. There's, I mean, there's, oh yeah, yeah. Look, I would agree for for the most part. There are still roll your eyes moments and cringeworthy moments where like you kind of like, well, you know, what's going on? And I think like I remember watching this for the first time, not liking Martha because I think it's even in the first episode. You kind of like, what is going on here? This is strange. But I mean, even even we haven't even mentioned him, the Walt stuff. I mean, we kind of get some interesting oh, stuff yeah. around him, and there's a, look, there's a lot going on that we're going to talk about. Which I'm I'm very excited for you to be able to, to talk about this and and everybody to join along because it's a very memorable season. Uh, you know, a highly regarded season of not only 24 but television. This was very highly praised back in 2006. So, um, well, highest rated, uh, like as far as viewership in the oh, show's history, 100%. most awards in the show's history. And then that, like, I mean, and again, it's going to be very interesting when we do actually get to season six. Cause I, I think like there's a, you know, six months down the line, but we, we need to probably record those force four episodes of season six very quickly together because that is where you need to take it in the most and mm. remember the good times. <laughs> so anyway, that's next week. Uh, so excited to be able to bring you all that. So tune in for the premiere episode because it is a big one. It's explosive. Uh, no pun intended. Maybe there's a pun intended. Speaking of explosive, this Thursday, Australia. Yay. Oh. Welcome to Australia. I want to tell this story when we record the episode because we haven't recorded it yet. But I remember when that came out, I was doing breakfast radio at the time and my co-host and I absolutely fucking loved the clip of Hugh Jackman, the cheesy, welcome to Australia. 
And so we would have that as a soundbite on our soundboard in the radio studio all the time. We'd always find an excuse to play, Welcome to Australia. Like, Hugh, what do you think about that? Welcome to Australia. Like, it's just so bad, but it's brilliant. Um, Colin's so excited right now to talk about uh, another three-hour I mean, love drama that Ben likes. You never know, though. I mean, I saw this movie one time when it first came out and wasn't impressed, but uh, this many years later, maybe it's the greatest thing I'll ever see. I will admit I've only seen it once, and I but I just I remember <laughs> watching it. I really liked it. I remember watching it. I was like, wow, this movie's really good. And I don't know why I've never rewatched it. And so this isn't like Titanic, where I religiously watch it every couple of years. But anyway, uh, also, uh, if you missed Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy, that was last week, and other things that I'm sure Colin's probably done because I'm just too lazy and doing other shit along the lines. Right? Yes? No? Maybe? I don't know. Yes. Sure. Maybe we've talked about Air Jordan the movie at this point. Um, yeah. Ben Affleck has a big dong. Uh, <laughs> thanks for covering season four with me, Colin. Thanks for listening, everybody. My name is Ben, and I've just got a random episode here and I'll get a quote. It's good to have you back, Mr. President. Um... And my name is Colin, and I don't have a random quote, so um, I'll just say, hey. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.